Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It is Wasteland, a pop culture podcast. Dom Esquivon here bringing you everything that you've come to expect from me. I mean, I'm joined, as always, by America's favorite cuck, Nathaniel Groffalo. Nathaniel, <laughs> what's popping, baby? Uh, uh, just cucking it up, mm. you know? Um... The that, world is your oyster, and you, you're forced to look at it. You, you can't touch. No touch. Yeah. Um, for realsies, though, uh, I am exhausted. Really tired. Why? Really uh, feel sleep deprived. Feel uh, every like minute and a half, I get this like, it's like this flash of like, I don't know. Uh, like generations of like um uh evolution or something like to keep me what? conscious from like passing out or something it's like this little flash of like whoa what is what is happening so i don't know is it's, this all from the project you've been working on to complete uh yeah sort of i mean it was a really long day yesterday and then it was like stressing the day before and i have like a work project in the middle of all this and Nathaniel, my guy, you got to have that work-life balance, King. You got to take some time for you, son. And All then, right? And then, oh, yeah. And thankfully, uh, just nothing came of it. But I was also stressing all week because I, I was on call for jury duty all week. What the fuck? <laughs> what do you mean you're on? Wait. What do you mean? What How are you I mean? on call for jury duty? You can, Why didn't you just do what all patriots do? How do you think? How do you think jury duty works? How do you think it works? They send you a piece of paper, and maybe you see it, maybe you don't. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. I could have, it could have gone missing, um, but it didn't, and I wound up seeing it. Things and- go missing every day. The world is an imperfect place. But yeah, I mean, technically, in a perfect world, you get the notice that says you're on call, and then every day you have to call, and a little robot tells you if the next day you're needed in person. Wait, no. What? No. As a card-carrying American citizen who... I don't know how this is. What do you mean no? who Who has never been called for jury duty? I have no idea how any of this works oh, okay uh i i find this to be blasphemous that we as american citizens are randomly selected for jury duty and mm. we are then forced to call to see if we are picked by yeah an automated ai well, like we a, ai Nathaniel. Think, think no, of, don't silence me no okay. well no i in in your favor i mean think about it you shouldn't be surprised because this is what happens no one wants to work anymore no but this is how uh the uh the fucking the gov the government uh mm. this is how they operate Preach. every year they say okay, tax season. I'm like, okay, what do I owe you? And they're like, I have no fucking idea. You figure it out. Yeah, true. Yeah. So they, they don't, yeah. you they're, tell not, us. they're not doing the work for us. We you gotta, tell us and I swear to God, if you're wrong, we're going to sue the fuck out of you. We're coming after every fucking penny you got, motherfucker. Yeah. So you better carry that. You better cross your T's and dot your I's on your W6s. I don't even know how you live. 
you freelance motherfucker. I get the W2s. They tell oh, me everything. And I, I input some shit and I send it off and Bob's your uncle. I like, have to I have to pay to oof. use a version well, of TurboTax that uh I mean everyone if you pay, do, I pay. Isn't there's not a free it's not like free if you have W2s? No, you still mm. I mean every you still have to pay to file. Huh. Yeah. I could have sworn, I don't know. I don't know, but I got to pay. Maybe it's just more. It's like $900. I think I'm just it kidding. Is. It's not. Yeah, no, uh, I mean it's uh it's the reparations. We're getting our we're getting ours back. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking we're taking our little we're 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 getting our piece, our cut. Uh, well, I'm sorry that you're exhausted and you're tired, but learn from me. Learn from your elder. Mm. Learn from the life model that is Dom. Let go and let Dom, as I used to say. Oh, yeah. All right. You got to make time for yourself. Although, I mean, while I did make time for myself this week also, I mean, I had a very hectic work schedule as well. Coming in at like, like waking up at five, leaving around five to come home. It was 12 hour days. No sleep. I spent a lot of time at the movie theater this week, Nathaniel. Hmm. Okay. And I'm still, uh, I still have one viewing to do, but, uh, how many movies, uh, did you watch this week? I'm, I'm just curious. How many movies? Uh, yeah. Yeah. One, I think. Really? Asteroid city. Okay, so you only okay, only watch one movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, as you know, I took it upon myself to watch all of the Indiana Jones movies <laughs> before the new one comes out. And I'm scheduled I have to buy my ticket because I mean, I don't know how hot it is over where you are right now, but we're in the middle of the heat wave over here mm-hmm. and it's going to be triple digits tomorrow. So I'm going to go see the movie in the morning before it gets too like devastatingly hot outside. Uh, so that means I still have to watch the one with Mutt Jones or whatever the fuck his name is with Shia. But uh, so far this week, I have watched uh, <clears throat> Temple of Doom, uh, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Wow. Asteroid City. Wow. Uh, the French Dispatch. Wow. Uh, it's not coming to me right now. God. Oh, past lives. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Damn. And big week. Uh, yeah, of course the bear season two and all that stuff, but yeah, man. Uh, so I, I watched like five or six movies. I still got, um, uh, crystal skull to go plus uh, dial of destiny. So I I've been cramming a lot. There's like my bandwidth. It's, it's all, it's, I, it's almost to the goddamn max right now I, with, with takes. I mean, I barely made it to asteroid city. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my bandwidth is like stretched beyond after, after we, well, you do creative shit and like, like you have to do things like, you edit and have to like input stuff and yeah, you have to like use your brain on a different level. My job is like, it's all menial labor and like problem solving and shit like that, but it's not what you do. So, and I mean, I got like, 
I have very specific. Well, this week was different because it was like end of month inventory. So my hours were completely shot. But typically it's 40 hours in and out like early. I got time to do whatever I want. And I still managed to make it. Yeah, I made it to the movies twice. Like I went Monday and Wednesday and I am planning to go tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but past lives, I wanted to talk to you about it because you had yeah. you brought it to the show uh, previously <clears> when <throat> you initially saw it when it um, when it was only out like very limited, but it went wide mm-hmm. apparently, and I had no idea. I was just uh, looking. I actually was looking at Showtime's for Asteroid City, and the little icon for past lives was. Uh, there and I was like, let me just see. And I was like, oh shit, like it's playing in my regular theater that I go to. Let me let me make that a priority. Let me do that. And I went on a Monday afternoon by myself. Uh-huh. Uh I it I was the youngest person in the theater by about 43 years. <laughs> Jesus. And yeah, everyone else was a couple and they were all like in like they're in their 70s and they had blankets and it was like quite nice. But uh yeah, it was a really really touching effective movie and mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it's great that it's from a first time uh director but I mean she has experience as a playwright. I know it's a different medium and every I mean do you think you being um, a filmmaker who's done like short films, do you think you could do like a, sh- a play, like a one actor or two act type thing? I, yeah, plays are like a weird thing that it stresses me out, the idea of it. Um, hmm. So I, I wonder if it's more like if her coming from that background then flipping it to like the film set and then knowing that her father also made films, she felt like at home. It was mm-hmm. like, maybe it was like a different gear, like maybe a play, like a play type background. You have to be like, there's no fucking up. You know what I mean? Like it, you yeah. have to be on it's, your mark at all times. Yeah. It's more, I mean, it's, there's no like visual language to it. I mean, everything, I mean, aside from like there are sets and costumes, I don't mean like that, but I mean like you're not directing the narrative through visual means or anything like that. And that's like the pretty much the primary way that uh, movies are delivered. So with a play, it's pretty much just the performances and the, you know, the dialogues between characters. So that's like an, an, aspect of most movies but um yeah like i've i've seen i've like skimmed through some like uh i forget what they're called but like what the actual like play format like play formatting and it's very Uh odd it's pretty much just there's like minimal direction and it just looks very different from screenplays so i mean you gotta yeah it's just like a different thing but I've certainly never considered it. I don't really know the first thing about plays or how to even 
do that? How to even like, how do you get into doing plays? You got to have a fucking theater. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you got to have a theater. That's how you get into it. Yeah. You have to have your own theater. Yeah. <laughs> so to, all playwrights, they gotta, come with their own theater. Yeah. You got to have your own. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. To be an indie filmmaker, you just got to get a, you know, you can get cheap cameras and stuff and get a couple sure, friends sure. together, but a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Brick and mortar. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like renovating these days. It's gonna be a bitch. Plus, with uh, like rent sky high, you can't, mm. you can't, like no one's, no one's really going to live theater anymore either. That's the problem. Mm. Yeah, no good. So, look, past lives, <sighs> fuck me up. All right, um, mm. everything between Hey Song and Nora was. <laughs> excruciatingly just real and just so just normal you know like there was nothing grand about it it was very it because these characters are my age i like all this shit i could see it was like they were holding up a mirror to i mean just a lot of my experiences growing up in the early like 2000s and you like go separate ways but then social media is starting and you can kind of find people that you had these misconnections with in the past mm-hmm. and maybe something becomes of it maybe something like maybe nothing does but like there's this weird area where like you reach out and I don't know it's they conveyed all of that like angst and longing so beautifully with that whole like middle section when um yeah it was after they were kids they were like college age uh they're yeah yeah i mean god and then just the framing device of the beginning of the movie with nora Sung and arthur her husband in the night or in the bar or whatever the night um, or the morning, Hey Sung is leaving. Yeah. And we, it's like from the POV of like another couple, couple watching the three like protagonists, like our three main <laughs> people. And it's yeah. just, ah, uh, it was so, it was so great because then that framework, you're just left this entire movie thinking like, well, what is going to happen? Like, you know that he comes in at some point, but we have no idea if Nora is going to receive his energy, what exactly he wants out of this, what she's willing to give him. How does Arthur feel about all of this? And it feels so great the way that everyone's given like room to just, the, everyone knows what's up. Like no one's being played a fool everyone has agency. I just loved how well-rounded everyone was. And I was pretty surprised by it. Like I thought Arthur would just be like some boring ass dude who I'd be like, yeah, like get the fuck out of the way. So Hey Song and Nora can be together. You punk. Like, but there was nothing like that in me while I was watching. Yeah. It, it it felt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's such a great and refreshing dynamic. And, kind of pretty true to a lot of scenarios where it's like it because the thing that really 
hit and hurt like the hardest for me just on a broad scale for of the whole film and just the dynamic of uh the two main characters is just like it's just that horrific painful thing that there's no like animosity behind it there's no right like no one hates arthur or anything but it's just that thing of like it just can't be right it unfortunately life works in a bunch of different slow mundane ways but this epic like hit like suppressed romance between these two people it's just like it's there but it just can't be and i love just the subtle kind of there's no screaming there's no well there's a little bit of tears but you know you know what i mean like there's no like it, it and again to juxtapose like that first opening scene with no context versus actually seeing it in context like Mm. that whole scene is just so like that's that that scene is wild just at the bar at the end when arthur's just arthur's just like i get that i need to let them have this moment and it's just so like you could like feel the like tense like that their bodies are just like (laughs) tight but they're just like it's that thing of like i need to say these things but there's just no better time like time is running out but i felt like it was such like an effective choice and it it really made me feel uncomfortable when it was all three of them in the shot and it would be nora and Song speaking in korean and then nora having to like relay in English to Arthur what was just said. And it's yeah. slowly like the camera started to like <laughs> cut Arthur out. Yeah. And it just be, be uh, became Nora and Hey Sung speaking about like what they mean to each other and what this trip meant to Hey Sung and what he wanted to get out of it and all these things. Yeah. And ah, uh, just that was this weird tension building like device being used just by cutting Arthur out. Because then I'm wondering like how, how uncomfortable is it for him? Like I want to see the camera on his face (laughs) in this moment where this entire conversation is being had. And it's, there's all this just, you don't understand what's being said, but you know, it's like, it's, I mean, it's it, everything weighs in the balance but I don't know, man. It it really it hit a nerve. It was beautiful. It was, it was just a really amazing movie. And I want to thank you. Well, I mean, I saw the trailer for it, so it's not like you brought it to my attention or anything. <laughs> sure. I saw saw the trailer for it when I saw Bo's uh Bo's Afraid. But uh thank you for um doing the footwork, doing the legwork and seeing it first and uh hyping it up. So I don't know that sure. I would have seen it without your um, uh, Nathaniel Groffalo bump, you know? Mm, right. The NG bump. Um, 
But no, yeah, I uh, when I went to see, I realized it had gone wide when I uh, went to go see Asteroid City because it was playing it. Mm. I saw Asteroid City at a theater near me, and uh, it was there, and I was like, "Oh, nice!" But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. super glad you got to go, and that it went wider, and that more people will be able to see it now. Um, yeah, I really loved it. Obviously, um, yeah, no, it's. Yeah, I'm glad you got to see it. Yeah, hype for it. Everyone, if you have the ability, go see Past Lives. And even if you don't have the ability to see it and you see it like streaming or something, pop that bitch on because it's going to rock you. Um, I don't. Did you see the trailer? It's like a problemista or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Like, are you interested in that at all? Because that looks interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen it. I think I saw it online a while ago, but it did play in front of past lives. Um, yeah, I don't know much. I think, uh, I don't know if this is the first time like a feature, uh, or a debut. I think it might be from the, the this filmmaker. I thought maybe I read I that. So. I could be wrong, yeah. but um, yeah, it, like it kind of gave me um, like uh, it. It kind of has like seems to share some sort of like similar um, aesthetic and like humor kind of choices as like some of those like early Michelle Gondry kind of films you know the kind and of like <clears throat> i was just gonna say because i mean obviously i'm a man of the world i know exactly who michelle gondry is but for the lay person who may have just stumbled upon this podcast at this very minute uh maybe you can explain to them like you know who she may be um well michelle, again michelle again, Gond michelle gondry I don't need to know is a, I, I got it yeah, Michelle Gondry's a a a, a man, a male well, of male yeah, descent. Obviously, uh, obviously, but yeah, I mean, in the eyes of, I mean, who's to say? I mean, I don't know his his pronouns. So true. Uh, yeah, it's the French Michelle. Mi Michelle. I should have said Michelle. Um, but well, I know him as Shells. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Of course. We keep it pretty light. Um, I guess famously Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I think, is his biggest. Mm. Uh, and that was referenced. I did see that movie referenced in past lives. It was. That was like the time. Like mm -hmm. uh in the middle portion of past lives would have been around that time. Um What if I told you I'd never seen that movie? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, don't I know. know. People see people see know. stuff. People don't see stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes but, people uh, don't see things. Yeah. Um, but sometimes. But yeah, I mean, maybe some like yeah, this problem Mista. Yeah, maybe some like mashup of like Michelle Gondry or like Spike Jones or something like mm. kind of this very like humorous, whimsical kind of magical realism sort of. There's just a lot of like wacky stuff in there, but it seems to yeah. be about this like. Um, immigrant of from Mexico or from Spain? I don't know if that was no. uh, El Salvador. Uh, that's what I said. Yeah, El Salvador. Um, <laughs> what? But um, yeah, just kind of like uh, 
Yeah, I'm not sure what I got more from that. I mean, Tilda Swinton is in one of her like wacky roles again where she's just going Bro, over the like, top. Tilda is just like A24's darling baby, right? <laughs> like she is just in all of these bitches. Um, like sprinkle a little Tilda in here. Yeah, well, she was in... Uh, you know what? Maybe it's just because of the movies I watched literally this week. Past Lives, Asteroid City, and French Dispatch. So, yeah, she was in all of those. Mm. Wait, she wasn't in Past Lives. Never mind. No. Oh, no, she was. She, she played the wind. She was Hayes. She was uh, Hayes. Yeah. No, there's one part where the wind was, like, pushing Nora's dress in the like mm. in the final yeah, scene yeah, yeah. That, that that was Tilda. Til- that was Tilda yeah yeah she's yeah so ethereal but no i mean the problemista uh trailer looked like i don't know it looked fun so mm-hmm. i'm i'm definitely interested in that um also there's what is that that horror movie that they keep pushing the one with the hand talk to is me is that one supposed to talk to me are you uh, we ta- i know we spoke about this before but yeah. Now it's like coming up, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm pretty um looking forward to it mainly because um I I think I remember back when it was doing the festival circuit, there was a lot of buzz uh from film mm. people. Um and so just like based on some of those early reactions, I feel hopeful for it. I don't it's it's oh, I mean, we're really on the uh doing the uh, hyping up all these like first time filmmakers or feature filmmakers. Cause this is by, this is a, another debut film. Um, hmm. But I feel like it's, yeah, I love, I love a good new, um, like new voices in the horror space uh, is always fun. That's how, that's how Hell we got, yeah. that's how we got Ari Aster on the scene. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, I'd say I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely gonna check that out. It, do you? Did it? I mean, you just saw the trailer. Do you remember when it said it was? Uh, I just looked it up. It is releasing July 28th. So that's toward the end of this month. We got some time. There's still a couple. I mean, we still got Oppenheimer and Barbie and. Oh I, of course, am going to make time to go see, like, I don't know what number it is, but it's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, I believe, mm. is the official title. Uh, oh, yeah. Tommy C., he brought movies back, you know, so I got to I got it for the I got it for the cinema gods. Uh, I got to got to pay homage. Uh yeah, so Haley Atwell's in this one, and whenever Haley Atwell's in anything, I am on board. I am sign sign me up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Haley Atwell. She played Agent Carter in the Marvel Universe. She was Captain America's gal. Oh, how could I forget? Come on, are you serious? She was the best. Yeah, how could I forget? And I did forget. So that's oh all. Oh my me. god, you're a piece of shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, July, a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. Um. The only other thing 
that I like thought we could talk about. There's not much. I mean, there's not much here for like discussion standpoint, mainly because like you're not really into this area, but they have cast um, Superman and Lois Lane for the new James Gunn Mm. Superman uh, legacy. I believe is the name of the movie. I did see about that on Twitter. I don't know who the guy is. I'm familiar with mm. the actress who they cast for Lois Lane. Yes, uh, Rachel Brosnahan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen her, like what most people probably know her for, the the series, the Miss Maisel, right? I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. but um, Marvelous Miss Maisel. But I remember her for, I think the first place I saw her was uh, House of Cards, right? Like the early days of House of Cards. Yeah, Um, yeah. Uh, That's definitely where I remember her from. And I remember being like just awestruck with her talent back then. I I mean, but then that was also, I I feel like I was a youngin in like the prestige TV landscape. So anyone who wasn't like, biting their lip and quivering when they cried and like looking at the camera every 37 seconds. Like it was a different level of acting that I wasn't used to. So maybe it'd be a different story if I went back and watched it, but she's talented then I thought. So Mm -hmm. now she is our new Lois Lane. Yeah. I mean, I, of course I don't know that I have that much to say about it, but I mean, just for her sake, since I'm, only familiar with her out of the two mm-hmm. i with any superhero ish kind of movie um i guess i would just question like i mean i don't know i don't really know the first thing about Again, superman but like are we gonna have this we've had no 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 but just hold on what, what okay. do you think i'm gonna say what do you think i'm gonna say <laughs> what are they what are you going to gain from this well, not necessarily. Well, that's always a question. But what I was just gonna, mm. say, what I was gonna, because I've got an answer for that. I've got an answer for that. That no. I don't know if you'll like, but I've got an answer. Well, so money. Go. She'll definitely get money. Well, no, uh, no, no. That's not. I mean, aside from all that, I have an answer. But I okay. want. Well, what is okay. your actual question? The, the question was more of, I. Like, I guess knowing the little I know about Superman and having seen some of the movies, it's just like, how much is she going to get to do is, I guess, my question. You know, is is the Lois Lane character going to be like, like, uh, Uh, is it just going to be this kind of remember when Zack Snyder had uh, what's her tits say? That's his mother's name. His mother's (laughs) name is Martha. I mean, Oscars, right? I do. You know, I do remember that scene. Thank I you. I do remember that scene. No, um, I, it's hard to say because, well, you bring up you bring up a valid point because, well, my my argument was going to be like, what would she get out of this? What would she possibly gain? One, I mean, there is an interview of her from years ago when she did say that she would love to play the role of Lois Lane. Uh, Hmm. There's that. And what I will say, secondly, is the character of Lois Lane is something to be like sought after. It is one of 
I mean, it's crazy to sort of say, but this is a legacy character, just as like Zeus has Hera and like, you know, a bunch of other gods, gods and goddesses up there. Like Superman has Lois Lane. Like that is as iconic. Like Batman has who? Catwoman? Maybe sometimes. But as far as heroes go, she is the most well-known superhero wife, significant other, that type of person. And not only that, she is talented and respected in her own right in the world of the comics. It's not like she's just Superman's gal. She's one like Pulitzer's. She's like a wartime reporter. She's in the shit. She's doing stuff left and right. Like in the world of Superman, she is more famous than Clark Kent. Like they're a married couple, but it's like, do you know who Diane Lane's or not Diane Lane, but um, uh, Diane Sawyer, the reporter. Do you mm-hmm. know who she's married to? Mm, I no, probably not. Right, but I say Diane Sawyer, the reporter, and you know exactly who that is. That's how it is yeah. in the world of Superman. Well, that's fine for people in the world, but we all know Superman. <laughs> sure, but we also know Lois Lane. Yeah, we know that she's the girlfriend of Superman. The wife, like, my would, guy. It would be nice if we live if we all lived in the world of Superman, but we live in our world. I mean, I feel like James Gunn is gonna take us to the world of Superman. Oh, first of James all. Gunn. I, yes, yes, look, King look. James Gunn. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not gonna get me to like hype that man up too much because <laughs> his record with me is shoddy at best. I like the first Guardians. The second one was meh. Like I didn't care for it. Love but I the dug- second Guardians. Shut up. But I dug the third one a lot. I did not care for his Suicide Squad. Mm. And I mean, I I never like what I, I didn't even watch Peacemaker. I was like, that's not for me. It's I get what they're doing. Miss me. With it's it. John. Catch John me. Cena's being funny, goofy. He's a big guy, but yeah. he's funny. He's got muscles. Yeah. but He's funny. It's he's so doing funny. that all over the place. He's doing that all over. He ruined Fast X. All right. There. <laughs> I said it. Damn. He ruined Fast X. Hey, according to Vin Diesel, uh, Jason Momoa. I know, it was Jason Momoa. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. That guy can't get out of his own fucking way with his ego. Yeah, pretty uh, crazy. And then when he's on the red carpet, he seems so gregarious and so personable. But behind the scenes, he's a fucking maniac. Or at least allegedly. I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? I mean, like, but, I know for a fact that knowing Vin Diesel... Uh, he was in that fucking editing room every single day. He knew what was going on. It's not like thank he, you. It's not like he was in the dark. Yeah, about yeah. this. He's he just, knew it. He saw the dailies. Oh yeah, Vin Diesel. He, he had his finger. Like he had Justin Lin. Like Justin Lin quit. Are you kidding me? So you're telling me Justin Lin, the director of the movie, quit like two weeks in. And you're telling me Vin Diesel didn't know anything about what Jason Momoa was doing until he saw the theatrical cut. And then he was like, oh, he stole the movie from me. No, no. Yeah, no, I'm not buying it. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Here we stand, Vin Diesel. We're not 
Uh, we're not here to besmirch the man's good name. He's a big old dork and a dang ass freak. And I love the king for being a weirdo. I mean, I'm not mad at him. You know, he's doing him. Uh, but to get back to my point, Lois Lane is a real deal character. And I feel like it's naysayers that may be important to this conversation to like get it to the forefront. So that way, when Superman Legacy comes out and I mean, you don't hire Rachel Brosnahan and this other guy who like, I don't even know who this dude is. Mm-mm, me neither. I Yeah, I haven't seen him in stuff, but I've seen her and I know she can hang. So and that's that's a key point in the relationship of Superman and Lois and Clark Kent and Lois Lane is that she's a step ahead of him and all things professional and like business and just the world at large when it comes to Metropolis. But he's got that one little edge in that he's Superman and um, he's holding out that secret. But who knows if that's even going to be a thing now because it's 2023 and like no one's got secret identities anymore. So, I mean, in Zack Snyder's fucking uh, Amy Adams, like she found out like she was hunting Superman in that movie, Man of Steel. I got I hate them. Look, I don't need I don't need the Snyder bros coming after. All right. Maybe you edit this out. Maybe you scrub every mention of my address from the Internet. Maybe we start a podcast about pottery. I don't know. What do you say? What do you think? Um, Pottery podcast? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't want Snyder bros coming after me. No, stop it. Every time you, like, you say it, they get Snyder closer. bros. They get more powerful. They're surging with power right now. God. They finished their ninth Mountain they, Dew of the day, and they're banging on their mom's door right now they to got, borrow the car. They got plenty to do. They have a nine-hour movie to, mm. in 4-3 yes. that they can watch whenever they want. That's, yes, that's everyone, repeatedly. That's everyone's dream. I don't know what they're complaining about. Yeah, they they need to be watching that movie constantly, so that way they drive the numbers up and they can flood the market and make it seem more popular than it actually is, <laughs> and get bots to tweet out like resurrect the Snyderverse and bullshit like that. Mm. And WB is like Warner Brothers. They're dumb enough to fucking do it. All right, they're as dumb as Sony, and. 10 times is broke. Like they're, they're hemorrhaging money. So they, they would likely do it. They would do anything right now. They're, oh God. But hey, we didn't watch a Warner Brothers movie this week. Did we? No, no, we didn't. We watched a searchlight picture. Asteroid City, baby. Oh, Asteroid City. Heard of it. From Wes Anderson. Wes. The king. The king. Our brother in Christ. Wes. Look, uh, I think this might be the second Wes Anderson film that I've seen in theaters. Oh. Um, what's the first? I think it was the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Hmm. 
I definitely have not seen most of them in theaters. I actually think I saw the fucking Life Aquatic in the theater. That's a memory really? I have. Yeah. Huh. Probably the only time I've seen it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, well, probably. Okay. Probably. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I get out to see them much in the theater. Um, yeah, I definitely missed the past couple. Oh, I think I saw Grand Budapest in the theater. Mm. Yeah, no, for a time, I just didn't... Like, whenever they came out in theaters, I was... That was when I was in my, uh, I only go to the movies if a Marvel movie is playing mode, which was a solid decade, I think. Uh, Oh, wait, no. No, sprinkle in some Fast and Furious in there. So it was only like the highest caliber shit was seeping through. Um, So when Grand Budapest, when um, French Dispatch, when Moonrise Kingdom all like came to the theater, I just like let them come and go. And I was like, I'll catch them if I catch them. But I never caught them. I never Mm. caught them. And then I eventually caught Moonrise Kingdom. I eventually caught um, Grand Budapest, and I was like, oh, I "Okay." I saw Moonrise Kingdom, and I saw that in the theater. I just remembered. Yeah, it was cute. It was fun. It was whimsical. They all are. Yeah, they actually, are. that I didn't realize this for the longest time, uh, but I, I I don't think I actually officially follow him, but he's always on my f- uh, Twitter feed, just from the algorithm, like the film TikTok or the film Twitter algorithm. Uh, but the kid from Moonrise Kingdom is like very active on Twitter. And I didn't even realize it was him for the longest time. Uh, I just realized that. Is he a good follow? Like, oh, uh, you said you don't follow him, but I, I don't officially follow him, but he's just like on my feed so much that I might as well, I basically do, but he's just like, uh, he's out there. He's like a passionate little film guy. Um, okay. Interesting guy to follow for sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. He was just like a little curly-haired guy I could see in his profile picture. And he's he's like constantly talking about Wes Anderson. And I'm like, hey, he just likes Wes Anderson. And then he posted something. It was like the 10-year anniversary or something of Moonrise Kingdom. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is the kid. Well, I, I feel like he's playing the long game because Wes Anderson, I mean, when he gets his guys, like they stay his guys. Look at Jason Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. from fucking Rushmore to now, this motherfucker. Like whenever there's a movie being made, I feel like Schwartzman's in the room. I, yeah, I mean, I feel like I don't know because Schwartzman, I, I see here and there, you know. But I would say, like Adrian Brody's got to be the most interesting, like dude who just I never see him outside of. Just bit. we just saw him in succession. Okay, true, true, true. That's definitely true. But I just feel like I see Jason Schwartzman around more. Adrian Brody oh, he, feels like well, he's having a killer June. Like Jason, it's it's Jason's June, and maybe Jason's July. Now that Asteroid City is out, but we talked about this previously. He was in Across the Spider Verse. He was in season three of I Think You Should Leave, and now he's in this. It's it's his month, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's in that new fucking Hunger Games prequel, and he looks like he's actually killing it in it. Like, wow. He looks like like he's going to be fun. And that that's coming out in November. I'm going to have to figure out when to see that. 
but I'm, I think I'm actually going to see it. It looks, it looks fun. I don't know. But, uh, so wait, you're upset, Adrian Brody? Like, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not okay. upset. I, I, thought, I, ah, I thought he did great. No, no, he is. It's just like Adrian Brody's had such a weird career because like he, mm. he was like a leading man for a time. Oh, and, yeah. And then yeah. I feel like he fell off the face of the planet. And the only time I see him is just little bit parts. Well, in, you uh, know, you know why he fell off. Well, not why. Well, I mean, the SNL thing. Mm, what is this? Remind me. I don't I don't he know. He hosted SNL spiraled um, like went into like a weird Jamaican accent Uh-oh. and yeah, it did not go well. <laughs> like they yeah, they scrubbed it from like all facets of the world. Well, can't you know, find it. You know what? That's what you get for trying to just make anyone a host of a comedy <laughs> variety sketch show well, like you have the right to say no if you don't feel like you have but the chops. everyone wants to do it it's an institution no one's gonna say <laughs> no i know but you have to it's know it, it's if irresponsible you don't it. it's irresponsible this is you have to know bro. if you don't have it man I, I i feel like no i feel like if you or i were to ever for whatever reason blow up and they came to us and they were like yeah no any day now duh um if they're just like Hey, Wasteland High guys, Wasteland Pop guys, do you want to host SNL separate together? Like you can do a thing like, what do you want to do? Are you saying no? Or are you saying yes? To hosting SNL? I yeah. mean, if we blew up and we had like a good thing going, then maybe I'd say we can do it without like, I don't know how, like how much of an opportunity it really would be. Um, it, right. So I'm asking, would you want to do it together? Would you want to do it separately? Oh, or would together, you want if we had not- to do it together? It, uh, okay. But you hate SNL. And I, you're even, well, yeah, you're but if already- we, it'd be a fun friends activity. It'd be, a fun, it'd be a fun experience, but yeah, no, like, there there would be nothing about the like yeah because it's just like you got to hang around and like yeah, i think it'd be com- and I've, and look, you gotta do a bunch of shitty dream. sketches like you maybe do like one sketch that's mildly funny and it's I don't just know. i don't know man i feel like look maybe it's stockholm syndrome but i feel like it's being a camp where you go to Studio 8H, well, yeah. you're like, it would be you're m- on that floor, you're in all those yeah. uh, offices writing sketches till like 2 a.m. that day, then you're doing a rehearsal. Sure. And it would be. It's all funny to like the 45 people in exactly, the room. Exactly. You well, know? That, that's, that's the thing. But like, you got to sell it on Saturday. That's what <sighs> I'm all but about. It's like every time I see like these clips of like, Bill Hader talking about like how he was just like pissing himself laughing in the writer's room when they were coming up with some sketch. I'm like, the way you're making this sound, it sounds like the funniest thing to ever happen. And even when he's like retelling it, I'm like, this is so, this is very funny. And then I'm just like, but whatever came of it, like on screen, like nothing. So I, I don't doubt that it's funny. It would be, uh, you got your nose in the air. It'd be a great experience. Uh, you got to come down off that pedestal and uh, stand with it. the common man. You know, laugh, laugh with your brethren, shoulder to shoulder. That's what you got to do. Hmm. How much? Um, you, how much you get paid to host SNL? Do you know? I feel like it varies. 
Mm. I don't think what's there's the low a, end? like what's the low end? <laughs> what that's what's the low end? Yeah, what's well, the low what's end? your what's the low end of celebrity? What are you talking about? Well, because then we can Google who's the lesser who's like. I don't well, you have to bring okay, bring up the like, bring up the last season hosts, and then we'll go off of that. Like, who's the least famous? Because I'll I'll look into how much they um pay. Uh, how much? All right, let me see. Uh, season forty six is that the last one? Let's see. Uh, probably. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, Issa Rae, Adele. John Mulaney, John Mulaney, uh, Dave Chappelle, Jason Bateman, Timothy Chalamet, Kristen Wiig, John Krasinski, Dan Levy, uh, Regina King, uh, Reggae Jean Page. Don't even know who that is. Uh, Nick Jonas, Maya Rudolph, Daniel Kaluuya, Carrie Mulligan, <laughs> Elon Musk. Uh, Keegan Michael Key and Anya Taylor Joy. I don't know who. I mean, I haven't heard of this one person, but I don't know that that speaks yeah. to their how famous they are. Okay, what do they? Oh, okay, doesn't matter. They are but, from. Um, oh, they're from. They're from uh, England, so hmm. that speaks for it. They don't even have a photo on. Uh, Oh shit! On Wikipedia, so I don't even. Jesus. I can't even recognize them. I don't know. Okay. Apparently, well. they, apparently they were in. He appeared in Waterloo Road, Roots. Uh. Okay. Bridgerton. Uh, I watched Roots. The Gray Man. Yeah, no one watched The Gray Man. That's the meme. Oh, okay. I just. Oh. It's just the guy from Bridgerton. I've seen he I don't I've never seen Bridgerton, but yeah, but I know like if you hit. Yeah, I got it. I know what an old English dude looks like. I'm guessing what orangish red, red, blonde hair, um, scrunchy face. No, he's a, hmm. a youthful black man. Really? What? Yeah. 35 years Bullshit. old from England. No. Yeah. What's his name? Black Englishman. Re, uh, Wait, re, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's R E G E dash Jean Page. Oh, that dude. Oh, yeah, that dude. Okay, I get it. Um, hosts get paid anywhere from twenty five thousand to five hundred twenty five thousand. What? Half a mil? I believe. What? Yeah. I could believe the 25,000, but Jesus Christ. But, okay, but according to Justin Timberlake, who's already hosted a few times, he only made 5,000 per appearance. So I don't know. I mean, I could even believe 5,000. Whoa, you could believe they only pay someone 5,000 to host SNL? I mean, you gotta remember not, they all, I mean, they've gotten presidents and shit. Well, I could believe they'd pay Regé Jean Page five thousand mm. dollars for the privilege of hosting SNL. Um, but Justin Timberlake, I'd be well. They clearly paid Justin Timberlake five thousand dollars, <laughs> so I don't know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd expect the guy from Bridgerton to get paid more than five k. But now that I know Justin Timberlake only makes five k, and he's like. He gets like one of those smoking jackets and he's in like the five timers club and all this shit, you know, mm. like 
Um, I don't think Steve Martin is getting out of bed for under five thousand, or for no. for five thousand. You know, there's no way. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Okay, I'm looking it up. Um. Yeah, man. Again, five thousand. What the hell? Alec Baldwin revealed that he makes around fourteen hundred for his. Okay, anytime Donald Trump pops up on SNL, he's doing he's doing it for fourteen hundred when he's in the Trump wig and everything. Um, I mean, I get that in reality, it's just like one little three minute sketch or whatever, and obviously that's great for fourteen hundred, but that seems low also to. Like yeah, make a but you gotta remember, appearance. Alec Baldwin is a piece of shit, and he <laughs> hates Donald Trump so fucking much. Oh yeah, I'm sure like, he'd do it for he free. Probably, probably. He, yeah, he would pay Lauren. Like he would. He, I'm sure he called Lauren, and Lauren was like, er, "Alec, we already have someone who does a pretty good." And Alec just steamrolled Lauren and wouldn't allow it and bulldozed his way onto the set, probably waving a gun, allegedly, who's to say? And now Uh-oh. he is our Donald Trump. Hmm. Hey, man, he took a life. Yikes. Did he or did he not? Um, He did, technically. Well, the- Did you watch that movie? Uh, don't say the gun to the, the life, you piece of shit. <laughs> you piece of uh, shit. Oh, you're holding out for that NRA um, money. You want them to start sponsoring us? It's Wasteland Pops, never, sponsored by the NRA. Never rule it proudly, out. Sp- proudly sponsored by the National Rifle Association. <laughs> hey, guns are too expensive. You think, I, I'm not going to go buy one, but if they want to give me a couple, I'll wear <laughs> okay. uh I'll stick to my sabers and my slingshots. Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, did the movie come out? What movie? Are you? You said, did you see that movie? Are you talking? You talking about the movie? What movie? You said it. What movie? You just said, did you see that movie when we were talking about Alec Baldwin killing the person? I thought. Oh, I thought yeah, you meant. That, oh, yeah. No, I have no idea if that movie came out. I oh, assumed you no, knew. What What were you referring to? The movie where he killed someone. Yeah, I thought you were asking because you knew it had come out or something. I have no idea. No, I, no, I don't know. I, I figured you would know. Fuck no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Okay. I'm not following Dude. it. <laughs> All right. But this hey, is like a who's on first situation. Yeah. But look, he got paid 1500 to do Trump. He got paid 1600 to sh- kill a cinematographer. So... <laughs> Uh, everyone's got their wait. He only made sixteen hundred. Everyone's that? got their price. No, I don't know. Um, well, interestingly enough, uh, I don't know if you saw this, it, but I was going to bring it up at some point. But speaking of Asteroid City again, um, I read that apparently uh, Scarlett Johansson took a pretty hefty pay cut to do the movie. Did you see this? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I saw the story on Twitter um, a couple days ago. But yeah, apparently 
they broke it down like by day or by whatever. But I think all in all, it was like for her role in the film, I think she did it for like, I added it up based on their math and it was like $3,200 or, or not $32,000. Um, hmm. Well, which is pretty, I mean, very low has she for, been, for her, but um, that's, has she worked with Wes uh, before? I don't think I think that was part of the story. Like it was, she said, like she really wanted to do it or something, and the, you know his, the film just didn't have the budget, so she right. just took a pay and cut to do I, it. Yeah, I could also see this being like it's Scarlett Johansson. When when was the last time she was in anything good? You know, when was she in anything that people were like chatting about in a way that was like, oh, I really enjoyed her performance. You know, like think of it. When? Um, I was going to try to look up her. I mean, in my mind, probably like for me under the skin, but that was a while ago. Yeah. What was that? Like 2016? I think it was 2014. Whoa! Yikes! Damn, that's um, nine years ago, baby. That's almost a decade. Oh, come on, where's her fucking filmography? Just give me her, give me her fucking films. <sighs> I mean, well, Nathaniel hates Jojo Rabbit, but I would say that was last time I was just like, ah, Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Well, but but this, I mean, I, it, it, this is going to say. Well, look, I was just going to say my main problem with Scarlett Johansson is something that she has no control over whatsoever. It's that she is Scarlett Johansson to me first, always. So whenever she's acting, I'm just mm. like, it's Scarlett Johansson doing that monotone, deadpan, whatever dialogue right to the camera. Okay. Like, I'm not... It's. I don't know. I'm not yeah. getting lost in the character or anything. That's I, my main problem with Scarlett Johansson, but she can't fix that. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It's a weird thing with like big, with like the, the pool of big A-list celebrities. It's like, or actors specifically mm -hmm. is like, I feel like if you have this big pie chart of all the big A-list actors, it's like, I feel like 80 or 90% of them are just them most of the time yeah but then i feel like the small sliver like your leo dicaprios can like really get lost in different roles and but everyone else like, like when was the last time you've been blown away by something brad pitt did yeah brad pitt's another one where it's like he's mostly brad pitt like most of the time yeah. um it's like and that's what you pay for you know what you're getting you're going to see brad pitt do x you know you're going to see brad pitt in mexico you're going to go see brad pitt in the jungle it's you're going to see brad pitt in a casino it's that type of thing mm -hmm. you're going to see Br brad pitt in old baby makeup because <laughs> you got a weird kink like mm -hmm. it, you're not getting even in benjamin button it's like yeah that's still brad pitt you know it you just, these are these are our actors. They're just, and the problem is, is we're too, I mean, our generation and the ones preceding us, um, we're too obsessed with celebrity to the point where 
I mean, we we just we know everything and we're so like glommed on to what they do that they're one and the same. Like and no one really acts anymore. Like no no real actors act in the movies that we all see. They act in the smaller movies that get like snuffed out. So you have to like find them. You have to do the work and then you have to follow these smaller careers and then they end up in the machine that is these big ass like blockbuster DC Marvel properties, you know, like uh, yeah. our Rachel oh. here who will be Lois Lane. Tied it all together. Booyah kasha. I mean, I, I finally I finally fucking found her uh, filmography, but. Ah, but I vamped for all that time. I mean, I, I, like, I feel like I should get like 10 points, like. Throw some, throw some so, points my way. Yeah, I don't get any points for that. No, you get points. You get points. All right, cool, but, cool, cool. Okay, so a couple of, uh, well, one little correction, I guess, is she was. I didn't. I actually forgot that I have not seen Isle of Dogs, uh, but she did. I guess oh. do one of the voices in Isle of Dogs. That doesn't count. Okay, sure, but still a West movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw Isle of Dogs too, but, but yeah, no, it doesn't count. But yeah, in looking back on like the past 10 years of roles, it's like there's only a handful of like to be incredibly pretentious, like real acting yeah. things here. I, I mean, mean, if you take out the ones that say Black Widow slash, yeah. um, um, what's her name? Natalie Romanov. Yeah, so, you're going to get like three roles. I mean, it's essentially like. Marriage Story. Uh, Ooh, and that was a Netflix original. Um, I guess Isle of Dogs, you know, for a voice role. Mm. Um, Hail Caesar. Um, I guess I don't think she had a huge role in that. Uh, and then like her, another voice role, Under the Skin. But man. That's like that's only a few in like the past 10 years. So And again you're leaving out Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, well I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit and I don't really care about Taika Waititi. Oh, you Oh, okay. So I thought you had seen it and you no, made I, your I haven't seen it. Once again, I am of the assumption that Nathaniel has built his opinions on like actually viewing something and you haven't just like like meh, you waved it away, well, Nathaniel. We will, we will I, on this program. We will uh, watch Jojo Rap because we're gonna have to uh, like confront the Taika of it all. We're gonna no, have to talk. We're gonna have to have a Taika conversation. Yes, because there's some of his shit that fucking hits. Is Jojo Rabbit one of them? Maybe that's part of have the conversation. Yeah, I've seen Does it. it. I hit? liked it. Okay, you liked it. I liked it. Okay, but I haven't seen like. The pirate show that he did that oh, everyone love, loved that recently that's got the one thing love the pirate show no, that he did. Shut up. But I, I haven't seen that, but everyone loved that and it recently got canceled. But I am all about the television series, what we do in the shadows, mm. like the vampire thing. But I haven't seen the movie. I have seen clips you know? of it. It looks funny. It does look funny. I haven't seen it though. No, the show is fucking hilarious. Like without spoiling it, it's very in the pocket when it comes to vampire lore in the way that you and I love. Like mm. they, they bring in other properties in a way that's 
just it's it's so fucking great that it hasn't been spoiled that I don't want to like say too much more, but it is amazing. So just know that. And one day we will talk about it because we're going to have to have the Taika conversation. I feel like it's too much of a quirky thing. Like he, he put too much peanut, uh, peanut butter in like the marshmallow, Mm. uh, like jar, you know, like there's yeah. just too much of something. And when you scale it back, it ain't so bad. You know, like, uh, what was it? Thor Ragnarok. Great. Fun. L- breath of fresh air. Fucking Thor love and thunder. I wanted to peel the skin <laughs> from my face. Yeah. I was just, there were so many excruciating moments. There's a moment where like, uh Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman are like bobbing their heads to like this music. Ugh. It's uh, it was I was just like, what are we what are we here for? What are what is any of this shit? It was so frustrating. Yikes. But uh yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Okay. Well sure, we'll do that someday. Yeah. I feel like it's important. We someday. gotta have that Taika conversation. Yeah, someday. Okay. Um, but I mean, are you ready? Do you want to talk Asteroid City? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Asteroid City. I really enjoyed it. When did you check it out? Uh must have been last weekend. Last oh, really? Sunday See, or Saturday. I waited. Yeah, I waited. Because I knew we I weren't gonna be have talking time about it during the week. Uh yeah. Okay. I, fair I enough. had yeah. to. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, I believe you. I believe you. Um, yeah. So I went to go see it Wednesday. It's, I guess, a little fresher in my mind. Um, yeah, I really, I really dug it. I didn't know much about it. I had only watched the trailer a couple times. Uh, I had no idea that it was going to be like the stage play mm, type yeah. thing. And, uh, I really dug it. Um, Jason Schwartzman, I mean, my guy. Oh, yeah. He's my dude, like, in all of... He's been my guy since Max Fisher, since I saw Rushmore when <laughs> I was, like, 17. And I was like, oh, he's so... Fu- ah, I just, I love that weirdo. And seeing him just grow older and dive into these roles, Augie was such... A character and knowing that he is what was his uh actor's name do you remember ah um well let me try and find it still okay either way like the characters in the characters beautiful and then like the cutting in between that like jason schwartzman as the actor trying to understand augie and then watching that performance and getting lost in it and you you just feel like you're watching a movie. You don't feel like you're watching like the stage play, but then there's these little things that take you out. Oh, it's so fucking great. Wes uh, Anderson, man. Yeah. Like, really quick. Yeah. I believe Jones Hall is, hmm. is the actor's okay. name. Okay, cool. It says as Aug- also, hmm. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, it just says, as Augie Steenbeck, a war photojournalist, and also as Jones Hall, the actor playing Steenbeck. Yes. Okay. Um, 
I don't know if you're going to get this reference and it's off color, but it's something I wanted to say to you and I was hoping you would get it. I love Jason Schwartzman's character, but I hate that they made him gay. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten the reference instantly, but I wouldn't have thought that you were serious also. So I would have guessed that it was some sort of reference, but what, what am I missing? What am I missing? Maybe I just don't remember. It's, uh, back in our days, we used to work together. Uh, we were watching true blood and we had a coworker who was very frustrating and he was talking about how much he enjoyed the show and he loved the character of Lafayette. But he was like, oh. I just don't understand why he like why they made him gay. <laughs> Wait, this sounds so familiar, but I don't remember. I actually don't remember who this was. It was you worked with him out in the nursery, and uh, he was okay. He was a very frustrating guy. Yeah. Okay, I think I remember who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, that's. I would not. <laughs> I would not have remembered that. But that's, that's all. It's always rattled in my head because hilarious. we had this conversation, and we were like, "What is? What did he mean by like they made him get like the? That's what the character is. And if you love the character, then you, that's that's a part of the character. You love that part, then you don't hate. Ah, it was so frustrating. But yeah, yeah when wild. yeah, so I was gonna come to the show with that, but I was like on the fence <laughs> of whether or not you'd remember. But yeah, long story short. Uh, yeah, I just loved Schwartzman's portrayal. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks was great in this. Everyone was just on point. I loved the uh, the daughter of uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm, um, yeah. Dinah. Yeah. This actress, man, like fantastic, wonderful. Um, the kid who played Brainiac, young Woodrow, like even the scenes with him and uh, Scarjo on the train where he's the understudy of Woodrow. And that's how he becomes uh, the character now. Like all these like little beats and behind the scenes things, they were like really fucking cool. Um, yeah. Just this guy, this uh, Wes Anderson, he, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's still got it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I there was a review that I saw from uh, David L. Sims. He writes for the Atlantic. And he also co-hosts uh, the Blink Check film podcast that I'm like a big fan of. But I follow him on Letterboxd and his he gave it uh, four stars or five stars or whatever you can give. Like he gave it like a perfect score. Right. Mm-hmm. But his um, review was uh, Wes Anderson heard y'all was talking about him. That was it. Like. And I feel it like Wes came back and he was just like. I haven't missed a fucking step. I still got it. And this, I, it felt so fucking whimsical. Like he took me away to a place. Asteroid City mm-hmm. is my shit. Like I can't wait to re-wa- uh, rewatch it. Like the color palette, just everything about it. Like good stuff. Love it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like my thing with Wes Anderson, it's very weird. I just feel like I'm very like, I, he's like, I don't think I have this with like any other filmmaker, but like always had a deep respect and admiration for Wes Anderson. But like, 
his movies, it's very just like, I take it like film by film. Cause like some of them hit mm-hmm. and some of them just kind of sure miss and never in like a way that I'm like, Oh, he's like lost it or so. But it's just like, sometimes I'm just not like feeling it because I think my thing with Wes Anderson is sometimes, and I definitely felt this with the French dispatch. I think he gets too, mm. too in the weeds and too like, I mean, he's got a very, uh, like heavy, like very, um, I don't know what the right word is like literary kind of uh, very dense kind of, uh, way about, and, and French dispatch just felt so dense and so like segmented and just kind of, I mean, but it's the nature of what he was trying to do. I mean, it's very much about this, like imaginary, um, you know, uh, magazine, like literary magazine. Yeah. So it's like, it, it fits that thing, but I just, I, I, I struggled to like penetrate into. As did I, that was one of the movies that one of the many movies that I watched this week and, um, stay tuned for our next, um, wasteland pop, because we're going to be diving into, uh, indie and all his shit. Cause I watched all those movies, but Dr. French Jones. dispatch was one. Oh, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Uh, either way, but I, I dived into French Dispatch and I it it felt impenetrable. Yeah. I was I was it, there were so many things going on. Like you had you had friggin' Benicio as like this guy, and then there's also um um tony revelori and i'm like who is this and i'm like oh he's the younger version doing this thing and there are all these different versions of people it's it was a lot it's yeah and it's like even when he misses for me it's just like it was still a good effort yeah when i'm watching it i'm like god it's just like yeah no one else can do set design and just craft like this like it's just it's yeah no one's paying this close attention this is yeah, it's it's unreal. It's always mind blowing, but I just felt like um so yeah, I, I'm very like hit or miss with uh the boy Wes, but Asteroid City I really was legitimately charmed by and I felt like for the most part, like the emotional beats hit, like there was something for me to I was able to get through to it more than I have been with Wes Anderson, like in a while it mm-hmm. felt, but it also felt like he wasn't compromising. Like it, it, it was dense at points, but I felt like a reasonable amount. Like it just like, I think probably just the inclusion of the like act structure and like the play within a, yeah the movie within a play kind of thing. Like, um, but I, I think it was just like the perfect kind of balance for like modern day, uh, West, because he wasn't always like this. Like he built to this. Uh, yeah, and I know that was something that we had teased that we were gonna sort of go back to and have a discussion about Bottle Rocket. But my brain could only take so much more, and yeah. I had to. Uh, also, I mean, I got to save some space for Crystal Skull and Dial of oh Destiny. Oh my god! Like I'm doing <laughs> those back to back, so I'm gonna have some takes. I'm gonna have some fucking takes. Um, yeah, I was so charmed with the set design of like when Augie and his family pull up to the diner and you can see like it's 
paint like every the menu is painted on the outside of the diner. That's such like 1950s nostalgia, like roadside diner type shit that is just not around anymore. But it feels like you're inside of a postcard when you're in Asteroid City. And I know that's what he was going for. And it worked for me. It felt it felt like comforting and warm to like be here and watch everything go on in this play. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I did really just to go back to the play thing. I, I love the framing of it as a play because even though we're watching it as a film with seemingly no restrictions it does feel like a play and that you have all these characters in this confined space but also just in the narrative like i was worried early on that like because you start to see all these disparate characters kind of coming in and i was like oh is this going to be a kind of thing where like you get these little cameos and then they leave Mm. and stuff but i love that everyone was caught there by this alien presence uh and you just have yeah. this like little community form and you're just kind of watching the uh existential crises of like all these disparate characters in in this little fictional 50s uh desert town um and yeah to have it just go like layers deep into of the existential crises of all the different characters like in their in the quote unquote real world in the, all the black and white scenes with uh, Edward Norton's playwright. And, and like you Mm. mentioned earlier with Augie Steenbeck, like struggling to understand the character and like Adrian Brody in a great role as, as the director of the play. It was just, yeah. Wes was firing on all cylinders for this one. It, it was, it was great. And I, I really dug the, like, nice little sweet moment between um it was like very quiet between margot robbie and jason schwartzman out on the fire escapes while they're smoking in between acts or in between um like act breaks for them where um they they didn't they weren't queued up yet but I, i i i've had this internal struggle and it's something that i'm still dealing with and i feel like it's something i'm gonna be wrestling with when we discuss Barbie, but is I like, I question this. I have no idea. Is Margot Robbie a good actress? But in this, Mm. I'm just like, I'm charmed by her. I'm like, she's got something, you know, but Mm -hmm. in other things, I'm just like, why is she the choice? Why is she here above other (laughs) actors? So Um, I don't know, but yeah, that's my whole thing. But that's a me thing. That's something I got to deal with. And I'm hoping I'll be wowed with Barbie. Like that might be the wake up call for me. You know, I mean, are you on the Margot Robbie train? Like, am I just like late to the party? Uh, I, well, I mean, like there's probably a few key roles that I've missed of hers where I think people give her where a lot of her like credit comes from. Um, Hmm. I think like, I, Tanya, I think people speak of her mm. performance highly there. I never saw it. Um, I feel like she can probably get to those places. I feel like she has it in her. I just don't know if she always gets the opportunities to. Um, 
but like sure in, okay. in barbie i'm hoping there can be a balance because i mean you know i trust greta gerwig but she's operating in this like fantastical barbie world kind of backdrop so i don't know like how far greta is going to be able to push it for barbie um mm. so that'll be interesting to see but i i wouldn't say i'm like i see what you're saying i'm sort of like more middle of the road i don't really have a strong opinion but i i feel like she can probably i th- i think she probably is a good actor but it's probably just the thing of kind of like with Scarlett Johansson. Like I know Scarlett Johansson mm. has it in her. It's just like she gets these roles the that just don't yeah. facilitate that. Uh, it's just like as an actor, it's like you know how do you break out of that? I don't know. That's the Tom Holland thing. You, oh my god! You saw that clip recently, right? Uh, I don't know, but I know he keeps doing these. Like, just what the fuck are these <sighs> movies? Yeah, and it's gotten worse because. Someone like they they it was like a screen grab of all of Andrew Garfield's movies post um, his Spider-Man run. And they're all like for whatever it's worth, they're all fresh, like everyone's raving about his performances in everything he's done since. And in everything Tom Holland has done, it's just all shit like the worst, like (laughs) schlocky things. Right. Yeah. He also did an interview and it wasn't the whole interview, but there's like a little snippet cut out where the interviewer asked Tom Holland about the movie that he re- or I don't know if it's a movie or a series that he's in with like Amy Rossum for Apple TV, um, but it's getting shit canned already. Like people hate it. It look it. It's not great. And the interviewer sort of asked Tom Holland about it. And he's like, well, what do you want me to, I mean, look, man, I know it's not good, but I'm here. I have to do this interview. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I can't apologize. It, I did my best. Mm. basically. Like he said that. Damn. And it's like, people know, I mean, we've seen the guy, we know he can act. He, he's got it in him. It's just get him the, these Get him out of these IP machines. Get him out Ugh, of Unch- yeah. like. Why was he in Uncharted? Why? Um. Yeah, literally. Nathaniel, liter- why was he Nathan Drake? Lit- Tell me that. Literally, no conceive. Like the only thing I can think of is in the game Uncharted Three. There is a segment of that game where you play as young Nathan Drake, but mm, seems like a stretch. That's that's the only the literal only thing I can think of as to why they would choose Tom Holland because nothing seems nothing like a stretch. Nothing about him uh, screams Nathan Drake to me. Um, no, didn't they use like Mark Wahlberg as the model or who's the model for that? Or was it Nathan Fillion? Well, I mean, the funny thing about Nathan Fillion is that that's just kind of like, I think the default, that's like the very obvious answer of like Mm -hmm. the Nathan Drake kind of like model and everything. And I think fans had been clamoring for uh, Nathan Fillion and there was actually uh, a non-official short film that these guys did uh, an uncharted short film and they actually got Nathan Fillion to play like an older version of uh, 
Nathan mm. Drake. And I mean, he killed it because Nathan Drake basically just, it would be perfect. I mean, that is literal perfect casting. If you could get like, uh, um, uh, Firefly era. Um, yeah. So we're saying Fillion. Fillion in his prime, like Fillion right after Fillion, uh, Buffy season seven. Yeah. Fillion in his prime is literal perfect casting for Nathan Drake. So, and we just don't, I guess, have anyone like that right now, unfortunately, but yeah. uh, shout out to and that's okay. But I mean, to be fair, he killed it in the uh, short film. I mean, if people want to check out the short film, it's pretty good. Hmm. Not amazing, but it, for what it is, it's it's good. And I mean, yeah, that's something. But uh, yeah, Tom Holland uh, opposite to Poor me guy. of uh, Nathan Fillion, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that's so nuts. It's like getting, I don't know, fucking anyone. Give me, give me a person, Nathaniel. Throw a person at. Uh, person, well, uh, Jeffrey Wright. It's like getting Jeffrey Wright to play Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> you know what? No, you could probably I mean, that. It. That could that'd be. He'd actually be a better witch doctor. That's the problem, though, mm. is we know Jeffrey Wright would be a better witch doctor, but he's got his heart set on Crash. Mm. Yeah. The, that's the challenge for him, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Talk to his people. Man. Get in touch. Jeffrey. Maybe send this entire podcast to Jeffrey Wright, see what he says. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright, though. Uh, he was great in in Asteroid City. Yeah. Everyone was great. Everyone like, was I, great. I, Tilda, again. Tilda Swinton, like, what is she doing in here? Like, ah, God damn it. Yeah. This rod. She, yeah, I mean, she didn't have, honestly, wasn't one of the standout uh, characters here. She didn't need to stand out. She blended in. No, I know. But that's it's the thing. Fine. But it's the, Tilda Swinton. I know. But, I, she, but she blends in. But there were there were some standouts here. I, I'm looking at the cast list. Give me something. Uh, I, I, I got to know. Uh, Matt Dillon. Well, Matt Dillon was great. Matt Dillon was great. But. I really loved this guy, uh, Rupert Friend, as Montana. The oh, <laughs> Montana. He, Yo. <laughs> Him and what, what was the kid? Dirk or Duke or something? The kid who they kept, uh, who kept like. The little like, like redhead kid. No, no, no. No, the, the redhead kid, that, kid was the one. The one who sang the, the song? Yeah. Yeah. That was an incredible scene. Uh, yes. and I loved, like, I just feel like all his scenes were so, I just feel like he, he really killed it in all of his scenes, but I, I love the scene where he came over and just gave this little like speech to the kids like all about the aliens, after the aliens. Like, I'm just like, this is like the perfect, like, how do you write this? Like, this is so <laughs> good. Like, I want to memorize the, like, if I was an actor, yeah. I'd memorize that as like my monologue <laughs> to do. Yes. It's, it was so perfect. It was hilarious. And I loved, I just love the little like detail of like when you see all the actors in the real world, how he's like uh, a posh, British. like British yeah. <laughs> guy. He's like a Michael Fassbender yeah. um, <laughs> from like Inglorious <laughs> Bastards type. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so I yeah, no. Uh Montana was so great. Unfortunately, I don't know that Maya Hawk had it. Like opposite Montana. Did you feel like she brought it? 
I mean, because we're talking standouts. She was. I feel like she's getting. She, if everyone's firing on all cylinders, she's she's getting she's getting dust. It was like dust blown in her face. Yeah, I don't you know. know? I, yeah, it's one of the things of like I don't know like if the problem is Maya Hawk or if it's just. I mean, the role was kind of just this polite school teacher. I, I just don't know that there was like a lot there. But I yeah, I agree. She was not one of the the standouts to me. I mean, um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of great, uh, great parts here. I mean, Adrian Brody, we already shouted out, um, Rupert friend, uh, Hope Davis. She was great. Uh, also leave Shriver. Yeah. 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 Leave Shriver was great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, all the kids were really awesome. What was that? I don't know who that one kid was, the one who had like <laughs> who kept trying hey, to like dare me to yeah. Dare me to do this. Dare me to do this. Yeah. And then I love that he's a fucking weirdo. But I love how it wasn't like I love how they had just it was just like such a tiny moment, but when he was with like uh I think it was with it was like uh Leah Shriver and uh Steve Carell and they were just like yes. why why like yeah why? why do you do this and he just had this moment of like i guess i can't remember what he said it was something like i guess i'm just scared of people not accepting me or something yeah if i don't do it then i'll be left out and i won't have space or something like that yeah that was that was very heartwarming yeah but it was followed by him like then saying like daring to push his button or something to that effect, you know, yeah. like he was still just like right back there. I, um, yeah. I, Steve Carell, he, I mean, he was just there too. Like, but I feel like that's, so that's something that is an argument that could be made about does my Hawk have it or does she not? Because Steve Carell he could very easily overpower that role and be a caricature of whatever he was portraying. But he was so in the pocket that he was so just like milk toast and behind the scenes and oh, I ain't, I'm right here. And then he, yeah. he like exits the scene, you know, and that's he he's hitting his marks. He's doing oh, his yeah. thing. But Maya Hawk doing the same. He, she's the genial teacher, but it just felt like she was it. I don't know it. And I don't know if that is on purpose, if that's like, but everyone else was doing so great in their roles as characters playing like actors or whatever. So I don't know if, yeah, I think Maya Hawk just, uh, she didn't have it. That's my, that's my only critique. If I had to nitpick, I'd get her out of there, but I, wow. I got a Mullen who I'd want in her spot, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, going back to that little, uh, I thought that little redhead kid was more of a standout than Maya Hawk. Shit. Yeah. Yes. Honestly. He was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for the most part, the cast was all killing it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum as the alien. That was Goldblum as the alien. Okay. Did not notice that. Okay. Oh, you didn't see that? It was. Yeah, it was just like I did run out for like a split second. I had I I had to take oh, a bath. Break. It was yeah, it was just like so he had like one line, but it was when they were ah. Uh, it, it, it's when I, I think it was when uh, like it towards the very end when Jason Schwartzman 
exits after like his little crisis. He's like, I got like five minutes before this fight is over. And he like walks out and he is walking through the like backstage of the play. And I think he like passes by Jeff Goldblum in the like alien costume. Okay. Yeah. I came back like right around that time. So Mm -hmm. I might've like not caught that it was Goldblum. Damn. Who like, were there any other Easter eggs as like other people just like getting ready for scenes that we didn't see? Or was it just Goldblum with the head off? Or do you have like some type of prosthetic? Uh, for Goldblum? No, it was just like they they like played up the alien costume, obviously, mm. to look like it didn't look like it wasn't like obvious. Obviously, the alien was like a claymation thing or like a stop motion yeah. thing, but um, I which I thought was like great. That was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a great scene. Um, yeah. I don't know if there was any other Easter eggs. I'm actually seeing here on the casting or on the cast page that uh, just because you talked about Steve Carell as the motel manager, apparently that role was initially written for Bill Murray. But uh, he, mm. he see, I could see Bill Murray playing that like more like dour and not as genial or helpful, just for more deadpan, you know? Yeah, well, I could where yeah. Steve Carell, he's saying it with like he's giving you that medicine with a little sugar, like when they get there and he's like, hey, uh, tent seven is. I mean, like cabin seven is now a tent because it burnt down. Like he's, he's got it with a smile on his face. You know, he's giving you the bad news, but he's like, Hey, sorry about it. You know, whereas Bill Murray Mm -hmm. would just say it would just be like the most deadpan, which it's not a bad thing, but I don't think it would have, it, it, it had no place here. Asteroid city was a joyful place for me, at least like it was good times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah but i i well you just mentioned it but yeah i just loved it just felt like there were so many little uh i mean it's all about the details for for wes but um just like the little things where like something's mentioned so quick and offhand like the like the fire like oh one of the cabins burned down and then like a minute and a half later, it's just they're panning by and you just see like yeah, the burnt sh- remains of it. Like just like yeah. little things like like little hidden jokes. Like that's why you mentioned watching it again. And I could easily um easily sit down to watch this again just to like catch all the little uh oh sure the little bits and the little jokes that I probably missed. But yeah, I really yeah. um I really liked it a lot. Yeah, so did I. I'm looking forward to showing the girlfriend this one when it uh, comes to like VOD. Um, I just want to shout out like this stupid little bit. It's uh, it's right when Augie drives in the asteroid city. They stop at the diner. The car uh, is being serviced, and Matt Dillon has this like long spiel about what it could possibly be that um, could be wrong with their car and how. Um, if it's the first thing, it could be catastrophic and it could end up with uh, their car on cinder blocks and yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. if it's the second thing, it could be like a 17 cent part and it could be input <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, um, Augie says like, well, what part or what do you think? And he's like, oh, we're about to find out right now. And he puts it in and he goes, 
you got the second part. And they believe the car is all right. And then like all shit goes to hell, like all hell breaks loose. There's this gasket that falls out. <laughs> yeah. and it's animated and it's like moves like nothing should that comes out of a car it looks alive and it's like sparking and spitting <laughs> oil and they have to like hose it down and yeah. uh i think augie says like well, what the hell is that and uh matt dylan's character is like i don't know you got a third thing <laughs> and <laughs> like the his entire i think it's like a studebaker or a station wagon or something just like bust right there it's just done yeah i thought that was a brilliant joke uh good shit but yeah, that was yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Asteroid City. So looking forward to rewatching that. Um, yeah. Nice. So that brings us to uh, the amuse bouche. Is that the correct term? The uh, the piece de la resistance. Mm-hmm. The main course, as it were, the bear season two. Let's get it, cousin. Cousin Nathaniel, what did you think of the Bear season two? Oh, heard, heard, chef, heard, chef. Um, Corner. Yeah, the Bear season two. Um, man, I. Yeah, I thought they really kind of outdid the uh, themselves. Um, I thought it was really kind of. Uh, a cut above for sure hmm. of se- for season one. Um, I mean, they had a little more time, a couple more episodes. Uh, one of the episodes being like almost feature length. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just like, I, we, you know, we obviously just talked about uh, season one, an episode or two ago. And I was sort of lamenting that I feel like I didn't have like, enough time to get there with a lot of the characters. And so, I mean, Hmm. all I really wanted was more and obviously a second season is going to do just that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like I definitely have more to say, but I feel like broad strokes. uh, I, I really was into most of what season two was up to um, Hmm. with maybe a couple nitpicks, but, Ultimately, yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was great. Okay, um, I will say, yeah, big big same over here. I had that um, same feeling. I will say that I went into season two sort of mindful of your critique of season one that you felt like you didn't feel as though some of the um, character arcs or the finished product of season one had been earned with what you had seen. I remember that being something that you said, mm-hmm. uh, finishing season one. And I went into season two sort of with that in mind as I was watching, um, trying to see if they carried that over. If, if that was a problem that they solved, because I didn't, I didn't disagree with you on that. I could definitely uh, see that. And I feel like, they kind of did some shorthand, like some shortcut type things yeah. to get their characters where they needed to be. But yeah, there's a glaring omission of that. And I feel like it's with Carmi. Like I feel like Sydney, Richie, Tina, Ibra, um, even Fack, like sugar, 
like all these characters, they got to these different places, but Carmen, he, I don't know. He was so absent. He was so like in the romance, like with Claire that I didn't really feel his presence in much of this season. So I don't know. It's a mixed bag for me. Like I enjoyed the season. I loved all of the performances loved everything about this season but i feel like there should have been more people calling carmy on his absenteeism like on the fact that he just wasn't around for like a lot of shit yeah it was sort of like i don't know like his absence was felt but like no one really confronted him on it it felt yeah, and like, considering it was like under the gun, like they were, it kept flashing like six weeks to open, um, four weeks to open, like throughout the season. And it's just like, hey, Carmi, we tried to get a hold of you, but we couldn't. Fridge guy is yada, yada, yada. Oh, God, I was with Claire. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll talk to the fridge guy. And it's just like, how, how are all of the, I mean, we see it they got there by the skin of their teeth. Like every, like even when we, I mean, we're flashing to the end when Carmen is in the walk-in and he's locked in, he sees all of these things that are wrong. Even before that, when he's walking through the first service, like of the friends and family and the shelves are on the wrong side, you know, he's like, why the fuck are these shelves here? We're all right-handed. The shelves should be on the other side. They're like, well, the guy who installed it is left-handed, and we tried to call you, but you didn't answer, so we had to leave it. And it's like, I don't know. It it would have been more interesting to see all of that, like, these little things sort of happen throughout, but we see everyone struggling to get the bear open while we see Carmen trying to like like sort of resonate with the fact that he has a girlfriend that's that's carmen's whole yeah it's it's like yeah yeah i i definitely agree it did feel like carmen's arc or whatever you want to call it in this season just felt a little lopsided and it did feel like it tried to build to this moment at the end that didn't totally land for me because Yeah, it's like, I don't know, with his whole like little speech at the end when he's in the walk, locked in the walk in and he's just like, I'm a psycho. Like, I, I I can't remember all the shit he was saying, but I'm just like, I don't, all I really see from, or at least this season, all I really saw from you was kind of operating in this somewhat normal ish early relationship or you're just like kind of mindlessly screaming at people for reasons I can't totally understand. And then it sort of feels like the get out of jail free card is just like, well, here's like a feature length episode about how fucked up his family is. And this kind of just explains why he's eternally fucked. Um, And it's like, okay, I get that we're the products of our, families to some extent but like i don't know like certain carmen things just like 
ways that he is, like I just feel like aren't totally justified. Uh, well, give me an example of that because I kind of, I mean, I'm okay more than anything with the way that he is. I just wish there were more people calling him out on it because he is in such an environment that is crucial to him not being that way or it like it's so counterproductive to what they need and no one like holding his feet to the fire is what I find a little unbelievable. Like if you're in this type of environment, I can't see people like dealing with you with kid gloves, even if you are this like prodigy chef who is like helming all of this you're not yeah, there that, like you're still you're still absent like this is you need to be here yeah maybe that is what it is because like as you were just saying that i'm thinking to all the other like touchstone like leading people performances like all these like leading men from all the big like drama series and it's like they're all really good at what they do they're all kind of like either at the top or close to the top of like whatever their little organization is, but like they're always getting so much pushback from everyone around them. Mm. And it does sort of feel like Carmen is just sort of like in charge. And the most that ever happens is he kind of gets into these little brief yelling spats at people, but it just sort of feels a little like surface level. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's that could be, that could just be my issue. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that surprised me most is the opening of this season, because when they found the cash in all those cans of like tomato sauce or whatever. And they decided to close down the beef and reopen, like renovate and everything. I was not of the mindset that they were going to do like a fucking gourmet restaurant. I thought they were going to renovate and just try to upgrade and like be up to date with the beef and it was going to be like them doing artisanal sandwiches or something like that. I had no idea that it was going to be this type of endeavor. So hmm. I thought that's what like the final scene of, or one of the final scenes of the first season, I thought Carmen and yeah, I, I thought he was like, Oh yeah. Like, when they were just like, Oh yeah. Chaos menu. Yada. yada. I don't know what that shit is. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a plebe. I don't, I don't go to I, I don't go to fine dining establishments. When he was talking chaos menu, I thought that just meant like these weird sandwiches and like just different like they were gonna infuse it. They was gonna be like gourmet, like top chef shit, but like neighborhood style, you know, like Chicago style. You know, like forget it, like hey, the bears, you know, like it was gonna mm-hmm. have peppers and onions and and sauerkraut and all the things your Uncle Tony gets on you on his hot dog, you know? Uh, I thought it was going to be that type of thing. So the fact that they went this route, I, I, I thought it was 
one, like a wild, wild, just risk because I feel like they had people on the hook with season one because it's this guy who comes from this world of the top chef echelon, like all these like five star dining experiences like French laundry and whatnot. And he's coming to this. It's, it's like your bad news bears situation. It's mighty ducks. It's someone who was on the top or close to it fall from grace and sort of like picking the team up and building them up and sort of doing it, doing it their way, you know, like scrapping together and, like building a team out of something like that you wouldn't expect would work, but it does. And that's how they got people on the hook. And now it's pivoted to, I guess this half hour comedy drama about these people trying to run a like gourmet restaurant, which I don't know if I would have signed up for that initially. I don't know if that, like, if I would have just said, oh, yeah, it's this show about these people in a gourmet restaurant. And I don't know, it's funny, but also not supposed to be funny. But and it's got, like, drama moments. Yeah. It, does that, like, get you on the, but you hear a story about this world-renowned young wonder wunderkind chef whose brother committed suicide and he's moved back to his old city to like run the family shop then you're like oh well there's something there you know like that's how they got us in the door which i thought is brilliant and i just didn't see it going this way but i mean this show is evolving i think it's a great pivot it's much like it, i mean oh god there's some snowfall shit I want to talk about that someday when you watch, you'll, you'll see, but that show pivots. And when it does, it becomes this different thing that invigorates it. So I'm interested. I'm so hyped to see what this show becomes next because the last episode of season two, watching Richie, watching Sydney, watching like, the chaos behind the scenes and watching everyone in the front of the house, like in the actual showroom of the restaurant, eating their meals and being so pleased and seeing how like Gary, in fact, they have, they're passing the notes They're in, they're using the same techniques that Richie saw when he stodged in the forks episode. Like I am, I'm interested in seeing the dynamics play out now more than ever, because it's these, down and out these these people that need this thing to work more than ever and they're not the people you would expect to be running a possibly like five-star restaurant and here we are and we we're invested in these characters because we saw the like we saw the origin story of this you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. the bear season one is basically the origin story of this crew the Bears season two. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine for the, the showrunners, it's just sort of like, I might imagine they would say that like, I don't know. Yeah. With, with the, with series like this, it's like, you got to start with like the hook and then it's got to just become what 
It's, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, to me, when I watch it, it sort of seems to me like the restaurant angle of it as the backdrop, it's like, that's just one part of it. But it seems like they're probably more interested in like setting these people up like this disparate cast of characters who are just kind of like, we first meet them in this just doomed environment. Like it's just a complete nightmare world to live in where no one's really accomplishing anything. Like everyone's skating by and they're hating their lives doing it. And in this kind of transition period, it's like, it just sort of seems like, and especially, yeah, like we kind of talked about up front, like a lot, most of the characters here kind of have these like, they're kind of on this slope of figure. It's like, how can I, I have so much potential like locked away deep inside of me, but it's just like, I need to be in the right environment and the right circumstances for these things to kind of flourish. And I think we especially see that, um, you know, with Sydney and like how well she handles just kind of like the chaos of like, while Carmen is just like MIA most of the time. Um, yeah. And then obviously with uh, Marcus and his whole little uh, sojourn um, mm. like that. Uh, yeah. And the episode Honeydew. Yeah. And then with Richie, I feel um and shout out Richie and Forks. These are all like beautiful, like one-off episodes where these characters, they get like these side quests where they gain this new respect and this new honor to do what it is that they're doing. Like Marcus already had like what it was that Carmi was looking for, but I feel like a lesson that needed to be learned and something that Marcus still, I feel like needs to be reminded of. And it's something that he finally got in the closing moments of season two is the every second counts mantra that hangs Mm -hmm. above and below, like all the clocks in all of the kitchens that we see this season. And it's something that Carmi was like hammering into everyone last season was like, we got to cut the shit. We got to like speed up this process. We like every second counts. We need to be as efficient as possible. And with Marcus, I mean, last season, everything was fucked. Like in that episode where I feel like they were trying to like get, it's the episode where Carmi like slapped the donut out of his hand and stomped on it and was like really pissed off and Marcus quit and Sydney quit and everyone was upset. And then Carmi tasted the donut off the floor and he was like, shit, that's like really fucking good. And yeah, it's like Marcus was not on task. Every second counts. He was like not a part of the team in that kitchen. You have to be a part of one unit. If one person fucks up, then the entire unit could go down. If someone doesn't pick up your slack and if someone's picking up your slack, then that means that person isn't moving as efficiently and so forth. So that's something he learns in like the final episode where he like freaks out. He tries to like ask Sydney out. She's not having it. He loses his cool. 
realizes that he needs to like snap back into focus like every second counts we need to get this shit under control we need to do our jobs get through this rush and focus on this one mission and i mean same goes for richie he realized i mean he realizes that he's not gonna be able to do anything right until he does this one task he has to clear this level he has to clean all these forts until there's no fucking smudges every fucking day that's all you're doing why are you doing that? Because you've got nothing else to do. You're 45. This is your only opportunity. This is your only job. You have to clean these forks. And like, that's humbling for him. He was, he was a guy last season who was trying to like big dog everyone. Like this is, this is the beef. I run this shit. This is my neighborhood. I'm this guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. And it's, it was so great to see him like back in that mode in the episode that is forks and Garrett, the stage of that, uh, of that restaurant that Richie was, um, like at for the week, take him outside and like really break it down for him. Like, let him know, like you are not special. You are here as a favor. People would kill for the position that you have fucking like wake up. And I feel like, that was a wake up call to him. I mean, he realized that this is it. This is, I mean, he said it in so many words. He needs this to work out. He has nothing else. He watched his best friend die in the beef. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to like do that. He wants more for himself. And I feel like him being a stage was the first time he ever saw the possibility of him having more. Yeah. I agree, frankly. Uh, <laughs> Thank no, you. but I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you put it beautifully. I mean, I think for for a few key characters here, yeah, they, they really hit. Um, but, well, I'm curious. Oh, one thing I noticed that was like, no one could miss this in season two, mm. but... I was shocked and a little like I'm sort of on the fence about how I feel Mm. about this in season two, but they went pretty hard in the guest stars. Yeah. Um, To the point where I'm like, this seems insane. Like, I don't know that I can believe this. Like, oh, so you couldn't suspend your disbelief. It was getting a little ridiculous at a certain point. I was like, I think you're. I- well, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis has to be someone's mother. <laughs> true. That's true. I mean, why couldn't. Why, why not get Brad Pitt in here? And uh, just I mean, well, that's, who- that's really going to throw it. That's yeah, that's going to throw it. That's the straw. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just like it was like one after the other where I'm just like, holy shit. Like, well, Mulaney's not even blood, though. He married in. Yeah, you know what? That's true. I, re- I redact you. my statement. But um, I don't know. It was, I mean, th- th- everyone did a great yeah, no, job, it was, but it, yeah, it's just yeah. like. It was a little jarring. It's, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's something in television where it's like, I feel like you're only allowed to get like one or two, at least per season. Mm. Like this just felt like, and and some of them, I'm just like, 
you could have gotten someone to do this that I that we don't really know as well. Like give it's just because like especially juxtaposed to season one where it's like you have all these relative like newcomers or just people that most people probably aren't immediately familiar with filling these roles. Uh, and then season two, it's just like guest star, guest star, guest star. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. It just felt weird. Well, I mean, Mulaney's from Chicago, so I think that's how he's, he got he's always around every corner in Chicago. He's legacy. Well, no, you guys, yeah, I mean, you guys filming yeah, something well, here? <laughs> You know, you know, Mulaney's got to wet his beak, man. Yeah. You know, he's got to get a taste. He's uh, he's going to threaten to bust everyone's kneecaps on set. Yeah. Like Mulaney and his boys. Um, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, 90 percent of the uh, guest stars are pa- jam packed into the uh, the huge episode six i think the christmas episode um yeah yeah i'm (sighs) sarah paulson i I loved her she was great yeah i'm curious as a whole what you made of this episode because i was a little i'm a little on the fence about it how well it worked for me uh i mean it's supposed to be like i feel like it does that very similar thing that the first like 15 minutes of Boa's Afraid did. Yeah. It's supposed to put you in that sense of like, oh, I know th- this is my parents' house. This is a very specific time during like my childhood or this is a Thanksgiving where I am stuck here and I just want to leave, but I can't. It does that thing very well and everyone is acting their goddamn balls off in the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I mean, it, it does everything that it's supposed to do, you know, like, yeah, I just, it's, it's that episode. Yeah, I know. It's just, for me, it just feels like there's a couple things. It's like one, I feel like surely you could have accomplished some of these things with like, maybe a little more subtlety. It just felt like there was, mm. it was a little over the top. Well, it was more than a little over the top, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, Jamie Lee was going for it. I, she was, I, I know. It's just like, everyone's ah! like, everyone swing for the, fa- it's just like every scene was like, someone's like, Hey, so there's this thing in there. Are you, wait, are, 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 are you, are you fucking, are you fucking kidding? Are you fucking kidding me? And it's just like, Oh my God. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Okay. Wait, you as our resident Italian, are you telling me that's not how every I mean, you 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 very famously avoid every family get together yeah. that the Garofalo's well, have. They're, so they are stressful, but this just felt like uh I don't know, like the opening of Bo is Afraid is a good comparison, but that's like a nightmare world. That yeah, doesn't, that isn't that's what real. it feels like. I know that's what it feels like to have a panic attack, but I feel like watching fishes, it's not real, but that's what it feels like to be at home for the holidays. True. So maybe it's not but, exactly yeah. that. So, I mean, I don't know. If it was I, more, yeah, maybe if it was more of like the framing of like someone's rem- like this is the recollection of what happened. I don't know. It's just for me to be right. like, this is actually how it went down. I'm like, okay. I can obviously like, sure. I believe that there are families that are this insane, but it's just, 
it's still it's a but lot. Not the Garofalo's. It's just you're dignified. No, not the Garofalo's. Um, but then classy people. But then also, I guess my other little critique of that episode would just be like flashbacks are like a huge part or they're a part of like any series. I mean, I feel like every series has the quintessential, like you got to see this thing that happened before, but it just felt like so much was like kind of covered in this episode to be like, Mm. here's why uh, things are the way they are. And it's just like for it to all revolve around this one little night, um, I don't know. It's it's just like maybe yeah. maybe I wish it could have been some of this information could have been done differently. But I mean, um, I'm sure everyone had a great time acting in that episode because yeah, I feel like that's the dream is like you get to do like this feels I'm sure for them a small little indie like they get to or like a little one act play that. Um, there's, they're all in this like set of a, of a house, you know, they all get to play it up and I don't know. I'm sure it was very fun doing this. Oh yeah. Every, uh, I'm sure uh, I would vomit every day on the set of the bear. Like the way Sydney ran out of the kitchen at the end of, uh, this season where she like goes to vomit, like mm-hmm. the way they have to yell at each other and have these just like between Richie and Carmi, like screaming, like I, if I have to scream that much, I, I just feel like I would, I would puke. I don't know. I would just get so worked up and so angry that I'd either have to like physically like vomit or like throw a punch. It there's something about, like the adrenaline. I, I I couldn't handle it. So yeah, no, I just all the, all the, all of the all of the yelling just. Ah, like watching Jamie Lee Curtis in the kitchen uh, in on fishes. I was just like, fuck man, like get this woman, like all the Xanax in the world. Abby Elliott always like constantly. Hey, are you okay? Do you need and watching her like just completely eviscerate Abby Elliott. And ah, it was brutal, but Hey man, kids of alcoholics. What are you going to do? I mean, Mm. It's I think that's also something great that this series does is they showcase what it means to be the loved one of an addict. Like with Michael, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict and Carmi went to Al-Anon at Sugar's behest. Like she's the one that gave him the number to like look into meetings and everything. And he started going to meetings and he started talking and whatnot. And I mean, in this flashback, we see sugar being like this hovering presence around her mom. And they're walking behind her and pouring out bottles of liquor. They're they're doing this thing that you're not supposed to do when you have a person who in your life is like using or you're like, they say like when, when the person is on the dance floor, you're not supposed to dance with them because they're dancing with their um, substance or whatever. You're supposed to like, let them dance until they get tired, like let them do their thing. So 
that's like one cool thing I did like about the flashback because it showed it showed the regression of Sugar. Like it showed where Sugar started from, where she was like constantly asking, like, hey, are you okay? Are you are you good? Like doing all this stuff, like pouring out drinks. Flash forward to like season one, she's giving Carmi the number to Alanon. She's telling him to go speak to people about what it means to deal with someone who cares more about like getting wasted or cares more about getting high than they do about like being present with you. So I don't know. You may hate the flashback or like think it's a lazy like thing, but there are little like moments that I, I know, I know. Okay. You don't hate it, but you didn't care for it necessarily. But I feel like there are little moments that are character building and they flesh out the world a little bit more uh, if you pay close attention. So I don't know. I kind of dug it. Yeah. um, I mean, I agree. I think just to clarify lightly, it's I I liked the episode. You just want the show to be canceled. Yeah. In so many words. But um, Mm -hmm. I just feel like the, the bear in general sometimes lacks. Sometimes lacks a subtlety that I wish. Oh, for it sure. could have a little more often, but um, ultimately, uh, I enjoyed season two for sure. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see how it can keep evolving, um, or just like how like how much life the show has in it. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I haven't like read any behind the scenes stuff from the creator. Um, don't know much about him, honestly, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where the show goes from here. Quick question. How did you feel about the addition and resolution of Claire? Yeah. Um I don't yeah, I don't know if I totally have my mind kind of made up about what I think about it i mean she's her just as a character is i think she's very charming and enticing as like a person like i could easily see why someone would be kind of smitten by her but um i i think maybe i don't know it's hard because i feel like they get around some of it with like just oh well they were like childhood friends or like they knew each other in school or whatever but mm-hmm. I would be, I don't know. I feel like if some girl kind of came into my, like dropped into my lap and was just like so immediately like eager to like be around me all the time and like get to know me, I would be like very skeptical of that. Oh my God. And I'd be like, Nathaniel. I'd be like, what is, like, what, what do you do? Like, what is this? <sighs> what are you doing? What is wrong with you? I mean, isn't this the dream? No, yeah, no, no, sure, no, no, but no, it's no. too, no, that, it's no, too crazy. No, it's too crazy. No. Think about, no, think about, think about the Inyun. Think about the girls or the missed opportunities from our youth. That is what Claire is to Carmi. Yeah. So them bumping into each other and him giving her a fake number is him 
doing what you're doing is him like being skeptical is like ah yeah this is too good to be true let me like give her a fake uh, number because well, I, I mean there's no fucking way I thought he you know there's the, no fucking way anyway. I mean my reading was he gave her the fake number because he's like I got a fucking restaurant to open mm, I've uh, yeah no I don't think so I he could have very easily said like I would love to but I'm very busy right now and that's definitely what he should have said well, that's, but that never even occurred to well, him well if that's not what was happening then that's disappointing to me on just like a character level because I mean what what's his fucking where's his conviction for this rat well, he's, he's just like oh this uh too good to be true she's into me i'm gonna give her a fake number i don't know like that's lame to me if that's what's happening there well yeah he he gave her the fake number he just he wasn't thinking like anything of it he's just not he doesn't i don't know look man mm, i don't know i'm skeptical just, of that I, but you could be okay right i don't know i don't know i'm, I'm gonna take another look at season two i want to because as soon as Claire got on the screen, I was just like, I'm, I was apprehensive. I, I had my guard up. I was like, I don't know what she's bringing. I don't know. I don't know what she's selling, but I don't know if I'm buying, you know, I mm-hmm. felt like she was a harbinger of bad things to come. And I was wrong, but ah, it's not. I feel like she wasn't necessarily bad for Carmi. I feel like she was like their relationship wasn't good right now. I feel like they should, she should be a friend. She should like come around and hang out, but I don't think Carmen has the bandwidth right now for a relationship he needs to be focused as he said like later when he was in the walk-in cooler uh he he needs to be focused he needs this to be everything that he has but i don't know i but i think that's just a him problem because it's not a mistake for them to make her profession as demanding no, no, as, no, it's definitely a him problem. As his. That's the thing. That's why that's why Richie confronts him later on and calls him Donna. Like it's that's it's you talk about subtlety, but it's they did it pretty pretty ham fistedly. They showed like his mother is unwilling to accept that her kids like that sugar wants her around, that anyone wants to be around her. Carmi is he he's so shut off to the possibility of ever being with anyone else that he pushes everyone else away because he's he wants to just give himself to this food because food can't fuck him over food can't let him down food can't go away he can be so good at this thing and be so perfect at it that no one can take that away from him it's so like singular it, yeah it's just yeah i <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I would hope so. It's, just, you know, it's it, but it's pretty elegant. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a little. I mean, yeah, I I think it's just another sort of unsubtle way to be like, hey, Carmen's fucked because you literally have this girl who is perfect written perfect yeah. in every sense of the world. She's like, I don't care that you're starting a restaurant. I work a crazy thing too. I'm totally here. Don't worry about it. Literally everything's fine. Literally nothing's wrong. And then for Carmen to just like, 
blow it all up at the very last second is just like, okay, well, we all saw that coming, but you literally we had you literally had every every chance to not fuck it up. Like she But it's not it's like okay. He fucked it up, but it's I don't know. It he fucked it up in such a bullshit way that I kind of wish that conversation didn't have like I I wish she hadn't overheard him in some roundabout Romeo and Juliet type bullshit ass way where someone is doing a soliloquy and doesn't know that yeah. they're being overheard, you know? Yeah. Like I wish that instead like Carmi has this meltdown. He says all these things. He sees everything that he sees and he has the conversation with Claire afterwards. He says all the things that he like he ends up saying not so harshly, but says like we're cutting like we're tearing tape like assholes. Shelves are on the wrong side. And like Claire she's like, "Okay, wait. Tape like I, I, what do you mean like tape?" And he's like, "I want to explain the tape to you, but I don't have time to like there are so many things that I need to do that I don't really have time to explain the tape. And I don't want to have to explain the tape. I want to just have the tape the way that it is. And it's not the way that it, and I want him to have like a meltdown sort of like that, or like how a confrontation where it's, it's him reckoning with the fact that he doesn't necessarily want this relationship as badly as he wants the bear to succeed you know like he's confronted with the fact like this is his dream girl but this is also his dream and Mm. he can't really have the two right now especially in its infancy of the dream like the dream is on night one and there's all these kinks that he would have seen had he not been consumed by the possibility of love so right like it would make so much i mean he did just this he cut himself off from the possibility of love to try to like push the bear to where it needs to be but i think it would have been more powerful and given more credence to the ending of claire and carmy as sort of like a faded couple of like a will they won't they if he has this conversation and it's not like, I don't love you. It's not like I don't want to be with you. It's that I do, but I love this more. Like this is more than what you offer type of thing, you know? And you can't really fight that. You can't fight someone's dream. If they're telling Mm -hmm. you like this dream that I'm going for right now, I don't have time for a relationship because of this dream. I'm sorry. What are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, yeah, I agree with most of that. I I just think like that, that final, most of that, what are you bumping on? What are you bumping on? What do you you say? I don't know. It was like 15 minutes. I I don't remember all of what you said. (laughs) Come on, Nathaniel. I'm vamping. I'm talking. What what do you want? No, I guess I I, I got some takes. I I just want to say like, yeah, on that, on that final moment, it's just, it, it did ring a little, weird to me a little false just based on everything we knew about 
her character up until that point. It's like he's literally like she's aware of like a lot of the red flags and she's like very like I'm here for it. I'm here for you. I know you. You're not just some random guy. And then for her yeah. to be completely like I'm done after hearing him like ramble off a few things in a freezer. I'm just like after he was stuck in the freezer on one of the most important nights of his life at that moment. Yeah, it's just like it's like you said, it's like it's very like <laughs> the weird Romeo and Juliet thing, but also like uh, it, it it seems like something you'd see in like Degrassi. It's only television or, or yeah, something like yeah, it's, that. It's no, no sane person would hold anyone to what they said. Like, do you think Richie and Carmi after their blow up between that freeze, like they're going to come out of there and just be like, I fucking hate, like you're dead to me. Like, no, they're going to be like, Hey man, like, yeah, whatever. I, I know it was crazy in there yeah. and they're going to squash it. And that's going to be that because they know that they were both emotional because Carmi was stuck in that and, freezer and he was pissed off. Yeah. And like, there was even, I'm forgetting the exact line, but like in the lead up to that, I don't know if it was the same episode or shortly before that, but like the two of them had this conversation where I think Carmen even said something like, ah, oh, just like, what if what if yeah. it's not right and she I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah, and she said like there is no other shoe. Like she's literally Yeah, she said no one's counting shoes. Or yeah, like, she, I'm with like you. which is basically reads to me as like don't worry, like nothing's going to go wrong and then to just overhear Yeah, it's just like I don't know. It she she's written as so gung-ho for Carmi and then to to just walk away and not even like address it like she ran in there because she's scared and worried for him because he's locked in a fucking freezer and then for her to be like you know what i don't care what happens i just gotta walk out of here i'm not even gonna see if yeah. you like got out of this freezer safely i'm just i think i'll go for the night it's like okay yeah i mean i understand being upset but again that leads to a conversation it's not goodbye forever you know, and that's the way they're playing it. It's like, tell Carmi. Yeah, I would. I'm very proud of him. And she like disappears into the night, if, all like tears in her eyes and shit. And it, yeah, yeah, if I was in a situation like that, I would at least stick around to like have a legitimate conversation <laughs> about what yeah. about what was said rather than just like, I got to take off. But definitely. But that's what I mean is I feel like it would have been a better ending if they had that conversation where Carmi is telling her. He loves his dream more than the possibility of what they could have. That's a devastating ending because you want so much for Carmi to like choose the girl. But Carmi is all about like food and the restaurant and everything, you know, like he's married to the game. That's what I want. I want to see Carmi married to the game. Mm. Powerful words. Mm. Thank you. Um, well, I guess we'll have to wait another year or two to see what happens. I mean, hey, we don't know how long this writer's strike is going to last. Oh, yeah. Writer's strike. Forgot. And the Animators Guild also is striking, I believe. So we're fucked. No animated oh, episode. Oh, shit. Nathaniel, that reminds me. I've been diving back into anime, my guy. Oh. Um, uh, Tengoku died whatever it's called heavenly delusion i finished season one it's a complete mind fuck of a show i have no idea what's going on oh. 
um beautiful animation great um just story for some of it like for the main story between um sis and maru like good shit like hyped for it but the other story with the kids in the facility they're on some other shit i have no idea what's going on with that but um yeah next up i'm going to check out um hell's paradise i'm gonna binge season one and i'm gonna figure out like where that falls on my list um I it's just easier for me to do that now, like that um all of the spring anime have wrapped up. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm just gonna go through and like just knock them all out. Right. So uh look look forward to that, folks, for some anime reviews on uh the spring anime that have wrapped. Wow. See, we still do anime. I mean, one of us has. Yeah. I haven't forgot where I came from. That's true. I've got well, streets. If Hell's Paradise. And Weeb Streets. If you're in Hell's Paradise, I'll pick the manga back up. Because I tried okay. once, but uh, mm. just didn't continue for no good reason. All right. Well, um, next week, we'll be coming back with a discussion of Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, and Indie. the entire like fucking landscape of that IP and what have you. Cause I got some thoughts oh, on boy. Raiders. Uh, did we already talk? I think no, we already, already talked about Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. But I got some, well, I, I got some um, thoughts on temple. I got some thoughts on last crusade. I'm watching crystal skull. Maybe tonight, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Wait, I got to watch it tonight. I got to watch it tonight Williams. because I got to watch it tonight. Cause I'm buying tickets for tomorrow morning for dial of destiny i'm doing back-to-back indie baby wow god so yeah i guess i gotta i guess i gotta check it out this weekend he waved this weekend we dude we already have a recording um session scheduled for monday have you forgotten it's on the books Mm. okay all right so we're gonna be talking about that but i have no idea what else are we bringing Oof, I don't. I'm not even conscious right now. God damn it, so I'm not sure. Okay, um, there's a Netflix docu series that's pretty light. We could uh, talk about. I started watching not too long ago. What is it? It's called. Uh, I think it's Muscles and Mayhem. Uh, the name sounds familiar. It is an unauthorized story of American gladiators. Mm. Hmm. Okay. It's five episodes. They're all about half an hour to 45 minutes apiece. Um, okay. I mean, can't make any promises, but we'll see. Uh, God damn it. All I need are like six promises. Okay. It's either that or we get back on the snowfall train. What do you say? <laughs> I, yeah. Do you know how bad I <laughs> yeah. want to play uh, fucking Final Fantasy 16? I I have no time to do fucking anything in my life. I'm gonna. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? Says the man. Muscles and mayhem. Muscles and mayhem. You know what? I'll I'll put aside <laughs> the the epic fantasy game that I paid seventy dollars for, and I'll 
I'll, I'll check Christ. out muscles. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll, we'll see the the weekend. Right. I, I gotta fucking help my dad out with some shit this weekend. We'll see. Oh my god, your dad's having a key party up at his cabin. Yeah, great. You're bringing the lube. All right, guys, this has been Wasteland, a pop culture podcast. I'm Dom. That's Nathaniel, the cuck of a generation. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, we're out of here. Stay cucking. <laughs> Later. Goodbye.